Today's episode is brought to you by the Six Figure Sales Funnel Mini Course. Let me ask you a couple of questions. What if you had actual dream clients joining your email list in droves? Now I'm talking about people who can't wait to work with you and pay what you're worth. And what if you knew exactly what to write in every single email? So those same people obsessed over you and snapped up your offers the minute they went live. Attracting the right clients and creating an email marketing funnel that connects, captivates, and converts isn't as complicated as you might think. In fact, it's the fastest and easiest way to fill your calendar with clients. Now, if you want to make six figures or more, you need a repeatable system to find your ideal clients and bring them through the steps to become paying customers. The Six Figure Sales Funnel mini course is a proven framework that teaches you how to attract the people you actually want to work with and create an email marketing funnel that sells your signature offer on autopilot. For just $37, you get instant access to five modules with video lessons, cheat sheets, and workbooks, and three juicy bonuses that will teach you how to grow your list fast and snag a slew of dreamy clients willing to pull out their wallets the minute your offer goes live, even if you're new to email marketing. Check out the link in the show notes for all the details. You're listening to Captivate and Convert, the weekly podcast created to help you become known in your niche, attract the people you actually want to work with, and get paid to do what only you can do. I'm your host, Christy Sigelski, and each week I'll be sharing tips and strategies and chatting with other online business experts to show you how to charm your audience and turn your browsers into buyers. If you're ready to render the competition irrelevant, you're in the right place. Hey there, welcome back to the show. I am so happy you're tuning in today because this episode is jam-packed with some juicy tidbits that really have the potential to explode your business. Not even exaggeration there. I had the pleasure of speaking with fellow copywriter Licia Morelli. She writes copy that makes cash for some of the most well-known personal brands and product-based businesses on the internet. And she and I talk about how the right testimonials can essentially sell your packages and programs for you if you know how to get them and how to leverage them. Now, we all know how important reviews are, right? I mean, sites like Yelp and TripAdvisor exist because social proof impacts people's buying decisions. But there really aren't a lot of people out there talking about how to go about getting great reviews and testimonials. But today, you're going to learn exactly how to do that because Licia covers how to approach asking for the testimonial and when. She shares three components of a testimonial that actually work to close sales and how to build solid customer relationships so you can get an emphatic yes when you ask for a testimonial from a client and so, so much more. Licia even has an amazing testimonial template for our listeners that takes the guesswork out of scoring killer testimonials. Now we cover a lot in this episode, so let's get down to business. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Christy. It's so great to be here. I'm super excited to talk about your topic today because we're going to talk all about leveraging testimonials to sign new clients, which is something that I, to be honest, really have never given a whole lot of thought 
to in terms of how to go about asking for testimonials. So I'm so interested to hear your take on all of this. But before we dive into the questions, I'm just going to let you tell our listeners who you are and what you do. Great. Yeah, I'm so excited to be diving in with you. I think this is going to be a lot of fun because I too didn't really understand the value of testimonials until recently. So you're not alone there. So I'm Licia Morelli. I'm a copywriter to some of our online industry's top personality brands. I've been in the business for Oh gosh, since 2008 in numerous capacities and copywriting was always the thread that was through each year and year in and year out. So I've written copy for bra companies. I've written copy for people like Kate Northrup and Colette Baron Reed. I've written copy for makeup, anything and everything, once a dog trainer. So really anything and everything has been the foundation of my copywriting experience and What's been so fun over you know the last 15 years is to watch as copy evolves and how to approach copy as we all get more savvy on the internet. We all people are more used to email marketing now after all these years. So it's really been a delight to be kind of a dinosaur of the industry in that way and really dial into modern marketing times that we're in. So I'm just super excited to be here and and thrilled to be talking about all of this. Well, it's funny that you talk about being a dinosaur because I think that we are probably similar ages. And it's so funny because on some level, I feel like such a dinosaur, but I also feel like a total newbie because my business isn't that old, really, just three years. But yet I'm 48. So I started a little late in the game, (laughs) but you know, better late than never, I guess, right? Better late than never for sure, because I think I took so many twists and turns throughout my career. If only I could have said I had been a copywriter directly from 2008 on. I just kept lily pad hopping across this <laughs> grand web universe. And I think finally aligned with, oh, the common thread here is the writing and people keep hiring me for the writing and perhaps I should pay attention to that. You know what? I just think all the twists and turns that we make, the pivots that we do and all the lessons that we learn along the way can really inform who and how we do business, who we are as a business owner and how we do business. And sometimes it takes a minute. It took me a minute for sure. I'm 42. So here I am. I finally got there. So it's great. Yeah, it's, it's totally true. And I think the more that I talk to other copywriters, the more that I realize that just about none of us really come into this work on purpose. <laughs> it's all sort of like happens by accident. So it's just funny that it's become sort of a cliche of sorts. Yes. And that accidental aspect is, is everybody's journey is so different. That's why I love hearing copywriters journeys just because it's so different how everybody arrives at one place. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Absolutely. Okay, so obviously we're we're going to talk about testimonials and I I really want to know in your experience, I mean I have my own thoughts on this, I'm sure we all do, but in your experience, how much would you say testimonials and reviews really impact people's buying decisions? I would say that they are one of the most important pieces of impact for buying decisions and This is because the data shows that 93% of people say online reviews 
impact their buying decisions. So that's a lot of people. I'm probably one of those, Christy, honestly, in the 7% that I never read a testimonial. I never, like if I wanted to buy something, I knew I was going to buy something, but I didn't go over the reviews. I didn't read the testimonials, but my husband always would. And so as a copywriter, I got really curious about that because he would take his time. He would really do his research and he would base his decisions based on the reviews. And that actually got me thinking like, well, wait a minute, this actually may be pretty informative of people's buying decisions. If he's pouring over these things and making decisions based on that, what else is out there? And then I realized that 97% of people read the reviews when looking at businesses. So the majority of your, of your buyers for your products and services are reading reviews. They're reading testimonials. They want to know that who you are and how you do business and what you're offering. They want to know the customer experience of that. And they want to see what results that you have as far as testimonials go. And I think it's just this huge component that can be overlooked And I think a lot of people are also afraid to ask for testimonials and they're nervous about, because a lot of people will read testimonials, I think, in the online marketing world and think, are these real people? (laughs) And and they are, you know, and I think that the majority of business owners know, like, I can get testimonials, it's great. But because it's so impactful on the buying decisions of your customers, I think it's really important for business owners to to say, like, hey, I need these for my sales pages, I need these for my emails. I need these on social media. And maybe we're in a group where we're not necessarily reading them, but most everybody is. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That's so interesting. I definitely am a a testimonial and review reader for sure. But it's a double-edged sword because I think it really depends on what the product is that you're looking at, because I know a lot of times you read Amazon reviews and a lot of them are not real, you know, so you kind of have to sift through or maybe they're real, but they're the, what the person is reviewing has really nothing to do with the product itself. It's more about, oh, the packaging that it arrived in or the box was broken. So it's having to sift through these reviews that kind of don't make any sense. It's not really getting at the meat of what you want, but especially in the online business, business world, that's really all that we have to show the results that we've gotten for other people. So I definitely think certainly in the work that we do, it's really key to your success. And I think that key to success too, especially as copywriters, for folks working as copywriters, testimonials for your clients are going to help you be even more specific in that copy. If you have good testimonials that are clear and concrete and give specifics, you're going to identify a lot more language for your clients as you're writing that copy about what the what really lands in the work for your clients that you're writing for. Yeah, that's a really good point. You mentioned a minute ago about people sort of being afraid to ask for testimonials. And that's actually something that I was going to ask you about, because I think that's definitely true that a lot of business owners, either they're afraid to ask for testimonials because they don't want to impose, or sometimes they just think that if the client's happy with the work, they're just going to send them a testimonial without being asked for it. And it's just often not the case. So I kind of want to know what your take on 
how to approach asking for testimonials is, what works and what doesn't. Yeah. So asking for testimonials is this mysterious thing. We know as business owners, we need these testimonials, um, especially as new business owners. It's a little, I've never asked for a testimonial before. Yeah. I don't know how to approach it. And I think what's really a good thing to remember for people is number one, Your clients, if they're happy with the work and they feel like they had a great experience, they will be so thrilled to give you a testimonial, but you do have to ask. Like you were saying, we do wish that there was this miraculous experience where we just randomly got a testimonial from our clients because they just (laughs) felt like it. (laughs) But that's just not really going to happen. So there's a couple of ways that I help people um, understand the entree into asking for a good testimonial. And the number one thing is, what is your customer relationship, right? Do you have a solid customer relationship? If you have a solid customer relationship, and by that I mean your customer feels like, gosh, you met their needs, they're excited about the work, you're emailing anyway because you're talking about your product or service with them. You're engaging them above and beyond the work. This is a relationship that you've created. So the next step to that relationship, I think of it as like, if you asked your friend for a testimonial about their stylist, where they got their haircut, they would happily give you one. So in that same vein, if you have a great customer relationship with your clients, then asking them for a testimonial will feel really easeful for them. They'll they'll be like, great. But the caveat to that is now they don't know what to say. So part of the barrier of getting a good testimonial is that the client doesn't really know where to start or what you want. So you have to help them out a little. Like you could ask them questions. And and I know we'll talk about this later, but my template is perfect for this because it's a starting point of where your client can start so that they can get you that testimonial turnaround really easily. But part Mm -hmm. of the barrier of getting a testimonial is once you ask for it, helping the client know what you're looking for. You're not telling them what to write. You're just saying, I'd love to know your experience with this, specific examples of what you liked, and so on, so that you get past the fluff testimonial, which is, you're so great, because that doesn't do anybody any favors, (laughs) and into more specifics about their experience. Something that I also recommend is be on the lookout for organic testimonials in like social media comment fields or in an email that somebody writes. So what I mean by this is oftentimes you get testimonials about your work or an experience somebody had in these organic ways through a DM, in the comments, in an email. When you spot something like that, you can ask them, Hey, thank you so much for your comment and on my Facebook post, my Instagram post. I would love to get a testimonial from you. Would that be okay to email you this request? And nine times out of 10, people are like, yes, send it over. Or if it's a great testimonial, just right there in the comments, you can ask them for permission to take a screenshot of it and use that on your sales pages and in your social media. Sometimes that's even more effective, especially if they've hit points that are really solid and concrete. Don't be afraid to grab those as well. But it also gets the conversation started in that you can easily ask for a testimonial because they've just done it in a comment. So they will happily help you further 
if you ask. And then the third thing I like to tell people, Christy, is fortune is in the follow-up. It's the same in sales as it is in testimonial asks. Yes, somebody might say, I will happily give you a testimonial, but what you want to do is remind yourself to remind them that they need to get that to you. So they've said yes, they're happy to do it. Don't be afraid to follow up. In sales, it takes on average four times for somebody to hear about something in order to buy it. It's the same with testimonials. It takes people a few times to remember to get it to you. And a quick note to them just saying like, hey, let me know if you need anything for this testimonial. I'm so grateful for your help on this. Let me know if you have any questions. That little nudge in the email or DMs to follow up, that oftentimes will get them motivated, especially if they have a structure around what they need to get you and they're not writing from scratch. That will help them get the turnaround time. So that's the sort of ask arc that I let people know about. It's just like really paying attention to what's already happening in the relationships, in your social media, in your emails, and lifting off from there. Yeah. I love that you stress the follow-up because that's huge. And I think so many of us, I want to say, especially women, I don't know if that's just, I'm stereotyping us, but I feel like we don't want to be a bother. And so following up sometimes is hard. Like you might do it once, but then I think the more time that goes by, it gets a little bit harder, but you're right. They agreed to do it. They're happy to do it. And sometimes people are busy. We forget there's a lot going on and our testimonial isn't maybe the forefront of their mind, but just that quick reminder can make all the difference. A hundred percent. And that, and I'm with you on that. I'm always terrified to follow up with people. I've been, before I was a copywriter, I was in sales and it was like my entire job to follow up with people. And I would be shaking at my phone. Like, do I dare call? You know, like I try to remind people is that have faith in the relationships that you have with your customers. Have faith in your professionalism. You're not going to be a pest. You're not going to be annoying to somebody. You're, you have a relationship with them. They're, they said yes to the testimonial. They want to honor their commitments. And part of your job is to follow up. And so that's helped me over the years to remind myself like, okay, part of my job is to follow up. And so I just have to have confidence that I'm going to do it in a way that isn't pesty. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's fun. And I have a relationship with these people. So I should be confident in my relationship with them. And I think that just builds on itself and it makes a business owner even more confident. Definitely. And I think I always try to go back to how would I feel if the situation was reversed? And honestly, I would be happy to have that reminder because I know like I have a lot on my plate a lot of times and I always want to follow through with what I say I'm going to do. And sometimes I just need that little nudge, you know? (laughs) I know I need it. I'm one of those people that leaves, I read an email, then I'm, then I think, oh, I have to go back to this. So I leave it as unread in my inbox so that I circle back to it. But inevitably I need that reminder and that, that push to be like, oh, here we go. I got to do it today. The struggle is real. So you talk about the law-abiding citizen components to having a good testimonial. What do you mean by that? So the Federal Trade Commission has a whole document about testimonials and reviews that business... I had no idea. Yeah, it's a real thing. Um, and wow. I And I did this sort of deep dive into it and 
realized there is some nuance to it that business owners need to pay attention to. And I think much, I don't know if you remember the photography situation that happened, maybe it was five or six years ago, where people had been using photos from the internet, but they were copyrighted and then they would get letters from lawyers, right? Like we don't ever want to put our business at risk unknowingly. So when I realized that there was this whole document from the Federal Trade Commission about reviews and testimonials, I nerded out on it because I thought, gosh, what's happening here? There's There are rules to this, which makes sense because we don't want to have false advertising. We don't want these testimonials right. to be untrue, which puts more trust into testimonials for folks as well, as long as people are abiding by these things. And a couple of things that I realized was that when we're not following these guidelines, we're also not getting accurate testimonials. The testimonials aren't as clear. When we do follow them, we do get these accurate testimonials. The testimonials are clear and we get better outcomes. And a couple of places where I noticed that maybe in the online marketing world, people could be putting their business at risk is utilizing testimonials for a different product for a new product. So I know oftentimes entrepreneurs, we're so quick. We're quick starts, right? We, we love to have new ideas. We love to put new stuff out there. We love to have new products, but maybe we don't have time to make them beta in order to get testimonials, or perhaps we put them out and we're thinking, oh gosh, I don't have testimonials yet, but I will use testimonials from my other products and I'll put them on this page. That's actually not good practice. You do need to have testimonials that are actually specific for a product that you're advertising. And so that's one way that folks can put themselves at risk. That said, a clear way to go around it is to mention from the testimonials that, and I just had a client do this for a new product because we didn't have testimonials for this new product. She, I said, let's do testimonials that are more character-based, like talking about you, your team, your follow-through, things like that. And then you can say, while I don't have testimonial specific for this product, I do have character testimonials and you can see them here. So it's a little bit of a, it's that caveat, much like, hey, I'm an affiliate for this product and I get a kickback if you buy it, right? Same thing. It's I'm announcing to you that I don't have testimonials for this product, but I'm being really transparent in that I'm putting these up here because I want you to know what it's like to work with me, but I also want you to know these aren't for this. And I think that's one way that you can go about it. Plus, it engages a lot more trust, I think, for your readers, for your buyers, because they see, oh, okay, she's not trying to pass off these testimonials for this product, which actually aren't at all related. <laughs> you know, and I think that was one thing I noticed that really stood out. And the other things about having a risk with your testimonials is that. If you have subjective testimonials without measurable outcomes, those could be misleading. If they're sort of these blanket statement, generic testimonials, they could also mislead the customer, just like trying to pass off a testimonial for something that isn't a testimonial for that thing. The fluff testimonials, those would be the ones that could come back and get you fined by the FTC, like, hey, what's this about? So I think if you 
And that's not something, knock on wood, that's happening pervasively. But the bigger our businesses get online, we really do have to sort of respect what's out there for all these other big businesses, right? And I think the closer we can get to being the law-abiding testimonial citizen, it starts to become one of these anchors of, okay, I'm following the rules on this. I'm paying my taxes. <laughs> you know, you're doing all the things you're supposed to be doing. And it's it's a legitimate business structure. It's a legitimate business process. You're dotting your I's, you're crossing your T's. And this is one of those things that I think people should be paying attention to, not only because there are rules around it, but also because it creates a great deal more trust. It creates more professionalism in your company. It creates better customer relationships because they trust you. You get better testimonials because they're accurate, you know, and then it informs your copy. So it's like this cog in the wheel that if you're doing all the things you're meant to be doing for them, that you, it, it bleeds into everything else and it could be really positive for you and your company. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because who would have thought? So good. Now, one of the things that I noticed that you really stress in your content, you talk a lot about the importance of great customer service. And I think in the way that we onboard our clients is really part of that customer service experience. So I'm curious, how do you recommend setting that process up? to not only get great testimonials, but referrals as well? Yeah, so this is a great question. Thank you for asking it, because I think we are so focused, you know, as copywriters, as business owners, we can get so focused on the outward facing copy, the sales copy, the emails, the social media, everything that's like out there Mm. selling for us. And that, because it's so important, we need to sell. But because it's actually cheaper to keep an existing customer than it is to get a new one, we also really have to pay attention to these onboarding processes. Because the more we pay attention to our existing customers and nurture those folks, the easier it's going to be to ask for a referral. So it's interesting because this is twofold. As far as referrals goes, how I usually like to do it is if I'm nurturing a customer post copywriting experience, right? They've hired me for copy. I've finished the copy. I'm communicating with them one-to-one in the emails. I want to remind people that's also really important copy, right? Your emails to your clients are super important. Take that seriously. What's happening is I'm talking with them and then our time together ends. And what I love to put in my emails as I finish up is I'll do an end of project wrap up or an end of day wrap up. And then I say at the end, my business is built, the majority of my business is built on referrals. Do you know anyone who needs a copywriter? If so, I would love an introduction. And they may know someone and they may not. But the good news is, is now you've seeded that referral process in an email and as you follow up with a great experience with your client. People love to tell other people about their great experiences. You know, I'll use the hairstylist again. Think of how many people you go up to and are like, who cuts your hair? It's amazing. And they're like, oh, let me tell you about her. She's amazing. And it's like this whole thing, right? Or where did you get that sweater? It looks so cozy. Oh, I got it over here. People love to cheerlead for the good experiences that they have. So you can add that as part of your wrap-up conversation and just ask for it. Some people I know put it in their signature of their emails. I love referrals. Please let me know if you have anybody who needs somebody and they have it with their picture and their contact information. You know, there's a number of ways to do it, but those are those two are the simplest. And 
What I like to remind people is that's sort of an end point. That referral is the place where you're ending because of this customer relationship. And where it begins is at that nurture sequence. Somebody finds you, they sign into your newsletter list, and then what happens? Do you have emails that nurture them? Do you introduce yourself again? Because nine times out of 10, I mean, I know this. I don't know if this happens to you, Christy, but I will opt in for a freebie and then I'll totally forget I did it. And then I will randomly get a newsletter from the opt-in person and I will have no idea who they are because I forgot that I opted in for their freebie. Absolutely. (laughs) It happens all the time. Not because they did anything wrong, but because I am so scattered and busy that I'm like, oh no, who's this? Oh, I should unsubscribe because I don't know what this is. So my thing, what I tell people is pay attention to your opt-in sequence because it's such a key component to welcoming your new subscriber to the party. Think about it like a party. If we're having a party and you fling open the door and you don't say hello and you don't <laughs> welcome your guests, like that's kind of rude. So I always let people know it starts, the way to ask for referrals starts at that very first moment when they are opting into your newsletter. And then the the opt-in sequence really doesn't need to be super complicated. It can just be a casual, like get to know you few emails. I also like to put in helpful tips for people as they're onboarding and what to expect from the newsletter. But it really is a welcome sequence that allows your customer to really warm up to you. And remember that, you know, who you are, why they signed up, why they're there, what they can expect. And just to get to know you more and more, which then by the time they hire you or buy a product, they know you a little bit more. They feel connected to you. They're starting to create customer loyalty. And then after they buy the product, they maybe never bought, let's say, copywriting services from you, but they bought a product. You still can have a solid relationship with them because maybe they direct message you about the product and say, oh my gosh, this worked so well for me. Thank you so much. That's the beginning of a relationship, right? Who knows down the line if you have a group program, they may join. So from start to finish, I always tell people the opt-in nurture sequence is going to set the tone for you to finalize a referral at the very end of that customer relationship. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge pet peeve of mine when I opt in for something and I get the first email that basically just delivers the thing and then not a word from any from anyone for weeks, months. And then all of a sudden, nine months later, it's Black Friday. Surprise, here's some emails. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nobody's going to buy from you if they're not hearing from you. Exactly. Exactly. Very funny. So I know that you happen to have an awesome freebie to help people get killer testimonials. So can you tell us a little bit about that and how we can get our hands on it? Yeah. So I, because I want people to be able to ask easily and I want them to get actual testimonials that work for them, I've created a time-saving and foolproof testimonial template for folks that they can swipe and send to their clients and customers that they'd like to get a testimonial from. And in that template, 
I provide four bullet points of things that they can ask their customer to make notes about and provide information for. And that helps their customer get started on writing that testimonial. And the four things that it includes are what was a return on the investment that they experienced? How did they feel about the customer service part of their experience? And I'll get back to that in just a second. And then what they would refer to a friend and anything else that they feel like they want to add as far as like factual things that they saw occur as a return on the Mm -hmm. investment that they made. And the reason why it's so important to include all four is because they touch on the components of a testimonial that will actually sell. 64% of people find customer service and customer experience more important than pricing. So I really implore people to make sure they do have one line or two lines about customer service or they grab that from their clients because it actually is really an important component to the testimonial that gets overlooked. So you might have a great testimonial that talks about return on investment or outcomes that they had, but no customer service mention. Well, if somebody else has return on investment plus customer service, that's going to outpace your testimonial every time because seven out of 10 U.S. customers also talk about spending more money doing business with companies that have great service. So that service component really needs to go in the testimonial, which is included in this template. So you'll have everything you need to ask your customer for exactly what you need for a great testimonial. And you can get that at lisiamorellywriter.com forward slash testimonial template. Awesome. I will absolutely link to that in the show notes for sure. And I think I need that because I thought I had pretty amazing testimonials, but I've never really put all of those pieces together and asked specifically for certain data. So yeah, I mean, Christy, I didn't either. And then when I started doing it, I started getting reactions of like, oh, I see that I will be treated well working with you. So I'm about to shell out all this money, Licia, and I'm trusting that I will be treated well because of the way. And it's like, oh, and that that's just another way for us to set us set ourselves apart as business owners, because not only are we highlighting the ability we have to help somebody in our products or services, but also we're really highlighting that we take our customers seriously and we care about them. And why not let that shine? People, it's a busy world out there and they really can do business anywhere. So I always say if somebody feels like they're going to be treated well and they're going to be seen and heard while working with you, that will outpace any other offer because it's so rare. That's really, it's so good. That's a really valuable freebie for sure. Probably one of the best I've heard of. Oh, thanks, Christy. (laughs) Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that with us because I think it's just one of those things that we so often overlook. You know, it's like you think if if somebody says a few good things about you and working with you, then you're good, (laughs) you know? Right. There's a science to it, which I, I think is really important to understand. And there really, there absolutely is the science to it. And I think for copywriters and product and service-based business owners, we take our subject lines seriously. So let's take our testimonials just as seriously because they work in the same ways. Wow. Okay. I'm schooled for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So are you ready for the Christy questions? I'm ready. I'm I'm like nervous, but I'm ready. (laughs) You know, when I, when I first started the podcast, most of the people 
that I had on wanted to know the questions ahead of time. I always ask because I want people to, of course, feel comfortable. I don't ever want to put anybody on the spot. But lately, more and more people are like, no, surprise me. And you are one of them. So I'm always impressed by people's bravery when they don't need to know ahead of time, because I'm a total, like, I have to be prepared for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it makes us feel alive. We have something that makes us feel alive when we're going to be shocked about it. (laughs) I don't think anything here is too shocking, but we'll see. So the first thing that I really wanted to know is that we always hear about how important it is to niche down and to focus on one thing. But in addition to being a copywriter, you've written children's books, your work has appeared in places like Vanity Fair, you're getting your MFA in poetry. How have you managed to incorporate all of these different interests into your business and your brand? This is a good question because I, for a long time, I've really grappled with how do I make all these parts of myself work together? And what happened was, is I realized that it's all writing, right? Like it's all under this umbrella of writing. And I think when we have a lot of interests or we have a lot of pathways that we're taking, something that can be super helpful is to sort of write out all the things that you love doing, right, about all of these different aspects. And you'll start to see a thread of sameness within them. So for me, I realized that pitching magazines and trying to get articles written or interviews actually was a lot like copywriting because the pitch process has to be witty. It's got to be funny. It's got to be catching as does copy. So I was like, oh, okay, so that's not actually that far away from what I'm doing. So if I can make time to write pitches in my week, that actually falls under the guise of my business, right? Like it's not so far-fetched. And interviewing, which is one of my favorite ways to write for magazines is to do interviews. And I've been incredibly lucky to interview some great people But I realized like I interview clients all the time. (laughs) And so again, it was like, there's the match, right? Then so if I'm making time to interview people outside of my copywriting clients, it's just informing me more about the world at large. And a lot of people that I interview are artists or writers or creative types. So again, I was able to sort of reconcile this feeling of disconnect by connecting it with my copywriting work. And then children's books and poetry, I would argue, are really like writing emails. They're like writing headlines. You have to earn the story in a children's book. You have only a certain amount of words that you can actually put in the thing. And Mm. so you earn the title, the story, the ending in that short amount of pages and words. And the same with an email, Christy. Really? It was hard because I was like, well, now poetry felt like it was in left field. I was like, I don't really (laughs) think I can do this. This maybe is just like a hobby. But what I realized is that in poetry, they'll say, earn your ending. Did you earn your ending? And I would argue that in an emails, we have to look as writers and copywriters, we have to look and say to ourselves, did I earn that ending? Did the segue that got me to the end actually work. And if it's no, you have to go back. And so 
as I put together these components, I felt less disjointed. And I realized that I could make space for each of the components in my work. Now, some seasons I'm a little less inclined to be pitching magazines because that does take a lot. So right now I'm, I just look at the, the variations of time spent on things. I'm doing a lot of client work right now. I'm building out my own product. I'm doing my own stuff. So I'm focused a lot on that, but I'll circle back probably this summer to start writing for magazines again. And I will, you know, probably dive back into trying to write some poems and things like that. But also being gentle with yourself around, and this is what I would say for anybody, as you're figuring out how everything threads together, know that you don't have to do every single thing all the time at the same time. As long as you know how it fits within the realm of your umbrella, then you can give yourself permission to ebb and flow in different phases. And I think that's also how I was able to reconcile things was that I, I didn't, I knew I didn't have to write a poem a week. I knew I didn't have to write an article a week. I knew I could do client work. I just, I started to give myself permission to really feel into what phase of my business I was in, knowing how each part fit into the business. Yeah, I think that's such an important point because one of the things that I'm really big into lately is like how something feels. You know, I feel like we're so often, you know, we hear that there's sort of this blueprint that you have to follow to be successful. And these are the steps you take. This is the order you do them in. And the older I get, I just feel like it's such bullshit. (laughs) Like you really kind of have to think about what do you love? what What's calling you right now? And it doesn't necessarily mean that, in six months that it's going to look the same because you have different seasons, you have different interests, things evolve and they grow and you change. And I think it's just really important to really tune into that and understand that, like you said, things ebb and flow and it's okay. You don't have to be doing all the things all the time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So good. Okay. So my next question is, so you've worked with some big names in the online business world. And I want to know how, because I'm sure all of the listeners are going to want to know this, how were you able to throw your hat in the ring for those kind of jobs? Was it strategic at all? Or was it just something where you were presented with an opportunity and you just went for it? That's a great question because there's a few different ways I was able to entree into different experiences. And one thing I'll tell the listeners to keep in mind is that it goes back to that customer relationship or client relationship or friend relationship. Like you never know when somebody might be inside a conversation and be like, Oh, Christy's the perfect person for this. I'm going to give you her name and email. Or, oh, I thought of Licia when you asked me about this. Do you know her? We don't know what will happen as long as, but if we have great relationships, people will think of us when it's our time. And that was one of the number one ways where I was able to, to land a job was because somebody knew me, knew I was good and recommended me to another person. So see, there's the testimonial again in the Mm -hmm. referral. Hey, you may not know her, but she's great. And she does a lot of good work and she will show up for you time and again. So that was one way that I was able to get a job. Another way was starting in one capacity but then growing in another. So originally, like I'll use Kate Northrup as an example. Kate's a great example of like how things can evolve because she knew me from a mastermind group we were in here in Maine. And I was a business owner. She was a business owner. We were in this group. 
And then she knew me because I was writing copy for a startup bra company. And she thought, oh my God, these are hilarious, these little things I was writing. (laughs) And so I was at one of these get togethers for this mastermind. And I said, I'm copywriting. I'm not really advertising. And she goes, you're copywriting? Hold it. I need to, I need you to do some stuff for me. Can I hire you? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, sure. You know, so it really was about like, me going in as their copywriter initially. And then I did some copywriting for Kate for a while. And then I was done with that project. And we we went and we moved along. And then she called me another time and was like, would you be interested in helping me in community for this new membership I'm doing? Well, long story short, what happened was, is I started in that capacity, but then I was copywriting as well. And then I was doing a lot of strategy and business strategy as well as team sort of reconfiguration components. And she was like, um, I think you should run this company. And I was like, okay. And so it was like, so it's, we just also don't know like how we will be met with different opportunities within a smaller opportunity. So that's another way. Like if you have the chance to work with somebody on a capacity that you're interested in, but you don't know where it will lead or if that's something you want to do long-term, just try it. That gets your foot in the door. Even if it's like a customer service experience for people who are kind of unsure where to go, like there's room to grow in these companies, especially as they expand. And then the final way that would occur is... Again, it was like having been in the business and being a background entity for a long time. I think what happened is when I finally decided, okay, I'm just going to go into copywriting full time. I'm just going to do the whole thing. Like I'm going to make products. I'm going to copyright it. By that point, I had been around long enough. So sometimes it's just a matter of being around long enough, staying in the field. And by that point, I had been around long enough that people said, oh, Lisi is copywriting again. You might want to get in. And so that's that was really something that felt very magical to me was being helpful and answering questions and just creating these relationships with people. When I decided just to stake my claim and go out on my own again, it was like, oh, here's great. We will hire you. And so I want to I just want to encourage the listeners to know that longevity is part of it too. So just get out there, be helpful in the comment fields. People notice that, you know, if you hear somebody talking about something on a podcast where they're like, I think it was a podcast I was listening to Christy a few weeks ago. And it was like, Oh, if only I could find the best chapstick ever. And I remember thinking like, if somebody really wanted to get in on that person's inbox, they could email her the best chapstick ever. Like look for ways to be helpful and then organically create relationships. And that's how you get in the door because you create trust that you're not looking for something. You're just there to be helpful. And that that's been a huge thing for me over the years. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I just posted about that yesterday about just showing up and being helpful. Like it's just highly underrated. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause I often think about people that will be helpful for me and I keep them in the back of my mind. If somebody DMs me randomly something to help me with and then they say, Oh, I'm so interested in copywriting. Like I keep them in mind if something comes up because they were so conscientious about something I was needing help with that they thought to DM me and be helpful. That really shows a lot of initiative. So now in these seasons of our careers, we're able to give somebody the opportunity or we're able to recommend somebody. It's a huge thing to be 
in the back of somebody's mind to say, oh, when I do see a design thing that needs somebody needs, I know who to recommend. It, it makes a difference. That's another good point that you make about just reaching out to people because or not being afraid or not being concerned that you're going to bother people because like you said, it shows initiative. Who are you going to remember when something comes up? You're going to remember the person who messaged you out of the blue and offered up some assistance with something. And I think all of that stuff, we just, we, we look at it as like, we don't want to be bothersome to people. We don't want to offend anybody, but it's like those little things are what people remember. Yeah, they really do. I didn't get a response on this one, but one of my favorite times of doing this was Amy Schumer on her Instagram posted a picture of herself with her arm up and she had pit sweat. And she was like, why does this happen? Why does this happen? And I was like, I know why this happens. I can help Amy Schumer. And, you know, oftentimes <laughs> it's because you don't have enough magnesium. And if you take magnesium, it goes away. And I know this because I too used to suffer from the pit sweat. Christy. And so I like wrote her this message and I was like, well, she may not see it, but if she does, she will know that magnesium will help her. And if I were Amy Schumer and I was wondering about pit sweat and I came across a direct message that told me the solution, I'd be pretty happy about it. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think people have to have a sense of humor about themselves exactly. too. Like, don't be afraid to answer these questions. They're being asked for a reason. This is a real pain point for somebody they want yeah. to know. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. Last question. So you have obviously a little bit more experience in this with this than I do. I've only had one sort of internet famous client, <laughs> but what are the different expectations when you're working with a big name client? versus just, I guess, a quote unquote, regular client? Yeah, the biggest one that I tell people is the, the number one is that you have to show up like a pro. You have to, you can't, this is your job now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that, this is your career. You've been hired, you're getting paid the money, you have a thing that you're doing you have to show up like a pro. And the reason is because they show up like pros. If they're at that level, they value their business. I'm certain you experienced this too, Christy. Like they are showing up every day in their own business. So they need people who they're contracting with to show up in that same way. And what I mean by showing up like a pro is you email speedily. You respond to their emails, mm -hmm. to their requests. You set up expectations from the very beginning, right? So oftentimes with all of my clients, the thing that I'll do is I will send them a welcome packet to work with me as a copywriter. I spell everything out from the very beginning. I give them all the housekeeping information. I give them the documents they're going to need. I ask for the stuff I need from them. And it's, it's a whole onboarding experience. So right away, it sets up like, this is legitimate. I take my job seriously like you take your job seriously. And that actually creates a great start because these are busy people. I think this is the other thing we have to remember is that when you're working with somebody at these levels, they are busy. They have a lot going on. And so making it easy for them to answer your questions or get back to you or know what to expect, these are all going to be components that help you shine as somebody that they hire. And I think the expectation is, is if you're charging premium pricing because you're working with clients who can pay that, they expect 
a lot. It's, you got to know that expectation is there. Like you're going to work. It's work. And I, I always laugh because I think it, we always talk about the laptop <laughs> lifestyle, but you still have to sit down and type on that laptop. So I always let people know the expectation of making sure you're showing up just as pro as they show up is a key element. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. And I don't know, I have to say, somebody's a little bit higher profile, the nerves are definitely a little bit more intense. But to be honest, every single client I get, I always get that sort of butterfly feeling of, okay, this is going to be the one that's going to, that's going to ruin me. I'm not going to be able to do this one. It's literally every time. So I don't know if that gets any easier over time, but I definitely, the, the nerves are all across the board. It doesn't matter who the client is for me anyway. You're not alone on that, Christy. And I'm actually glad that you brought that up because I just was thinking to myself, Oh, good. I'm not alone. Like I still get nervous. I still think, Oh, how am I going to be able to do this? Right. And I think that's what's the best thing about writing and being a copywriter and working with clients and having these businesses is that it keeps us sharp to be nervous is to be sharp because you want to do a good job. I think when it becomes passive and we're like, meh, (laughs) then that's a sign that we need to reassess. But I do. I'm glad to hear that you too also get nervous because I do. I still, somebody signs me and I think, oh gosh, okay, I can do this. (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. That's good to hear because even to to look at somebody who, who looks like they have quote unquote made it, that you still have these moments where you're like, okay, this is the one that's going to ruin me. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that like, I, yeah, no, (laughs) I still feel that way. And, and honestly, the, the best news is that the clients that are making it, that we're working for, that are doing it, they feel that way too, I'm certain. They get nervous. I think we have to remember, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. And so we're all kind of in the same boat. I was hired by a client and I called my brother and he has nothing to do with the online marketing industry whatsoever. He's in finance in New York. And so I always call, but he he deals with a lot of high powered people. And I called and I thought, I said, I'm so terrified. I'm so nervous. And he was like, okay, calm down. You're fine. Everybody (laughs) calm down. And I was like, okay. You know, and so it's just good to get a reality check sometimes of somebody else who they're like, you know, one, one foot at a time. My mom always says life by the inch is surely a cinch. Life by the yard is really hard. And so whenever those nerves strike, no matter what I'm doing for my business, no matter who I'm working with, I keep that in mind because if I can just take bite-sized steps towards the complete outcome, those nerves start to dissipate. And then I get my rhythm and the momentum picks up. And then I'm like, I have this. I've got this. I can do this. Yeah. It's also really great. Like you said, when you have somebody that can check you with that, because my husband's like that for me, he literally has no idea what I do for a living. Like he doesn't understand this whole online world. And when I have something come up where I'm like, this is the one where I'm going to blow it. He's like, okay, are you talking like this is really you're going to blow it or this is the Christy you're going to, you're going to blow it. (laughs) I get it. I understand. I know. And then my husband who, that's funny because it reminds me of my husband who he's a behavior, a board certified behavior analyst. So he like studies human behavior and then tries to change his behaviors and things. And he'll say every time past behavior predicts 
future behavior, Alicia. Were you successful in the past? I think you'll be okay. And if you're not, you'll get feedback. So take the feedback. And it's like, okay, permission to go ahead and know that I'll get feedback if I'm not. And that is actually one thing I would say to the listeners too, of like feedback is gold because feedback's going to make you better every single time. And I used to be terrified of feedback because I would feel like, oh, I did it wrong or I'm not good enough. Mm. And it would bring up all kinds of stuff. So I would go from nervous to just sad. You know? <laughs> and so then I realized what a superpower feedback actually was. And I would read the feedback and realize, okay, this is so that I can be better at what I do. And I would take the feedback and I would apply it and I would be better at what I did. And I think those building blocks are also really important. And it also takes away this unknown, right? Yes, we will get feedback. And if feedback is an educator, then we see it as such rather than a detriment. And I think that's also something that's helped me pep talk myself. Of, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do it. I'm nervous. I'm going to try. I'll get feedback. I'll do better. And I think that's yeah. huge too. So good. Licia Morelli, thank you so much for being here. This was really fun. How can people find you? Oh, thank you, Christy. It's so awesome to be here. I love talking with you today. And everybody can find me over at LiciaMorelliWriter.com. That's my website. And then on Instagram, I'm just at Licia Morelli. Excellent. Thank you so much for being on the show. I hope that I'm going to see you around the interwebs here. Yes, for sure. Thank you for having me. And thank you so much, everybody, for listening in. Thank you for tuning in to Captivate and Convert. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to support the podcast by leaving a five-star review and subscribing and sharing it with your biz besties. Your ratings and reviews help us reach more listeners who want to grow and scale their businesses fast. And don't forget to post a screenshot of this podcast in your IG stories and tag me at Christy Sigelski so I can repost you. Until next time, cheers.